Everyone has a story, and I believe that sharing your story has the power to connect people. I'm a working mom, wife, and seeker, and nothing lights me up and brings me more joy than having meaningful conversations. And one of the things I love to talk about is psychedelics. In December 2021, I experienced my first psychedelic journey with psilocybin. It was one of the most profound events in my life, and it opened me up to a deeper spiritual growth and helped me to heal. And now, talking to those who've experienced the therapeutic magic of psychedelics and hearing about their personal journey has become my passion. Mindful Trip is a safe space to have conversations that demystify and destigmatize the use of plant medicines. Conversations that allow us to have deeper connections with ourselves and others. I hope that sharing these intimate, funny, and inspiring stories helps you find the answers you're looking for. A wise friend said to me, all you can do is follow the threads and see where it takes you. So I hope you'll join me in unraveling the threads, staying open, and trusting the journey. This is Mindful Trip. Mindful Trip content and the views, thoughts, and opinions of the host, guests, and contributors is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional legal advice or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Consult with the medical provider or mental health care professional about your health-related questions. Mindful Trip does not encourage illegal activity, including but not limited to the illegal sale, purchase, or use of controlled substances. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Mindful Trip. Today, my good friend Amy joins me to talk about life and all things psychedelics, including a deep dive into ego death and the instruction she couldn't ignore during her most recent psilocybin experience. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation and have lots of questions afterwards. Amy Pankaneer is a producer and host of the podcast Magical Soup. She's also a psychonaut exploring the edges of what it means to be conscious through psychedelics. Your support means a lot, so please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. I'd also love to hear what resonates for you with this episode, so send me your comments. Hi, Amy. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy that we are doing this. I feel like in a weird way, like the universe has brought us together at this point in our lives. I think we talked about that before in our other conversations. I know it's really interesting to be reconnecting in this context when we both came from a completely (laughs) different context. And that's like where we know each other. I feel like I'm meeting you almost for the first time. Like there's things about you that are obviously familiar. And I'm wondering, I guess maybe I am the same way for you. Yes. You you know, it's interesting because, and maybe we should just give a little context. So Amy and I, we know each other because we both worked as network executives at a very well-known cable network. And Mm -hmm. we became friends through that, but we never had kind of deep conversations, I feel like. Also because we lived in different cities. So I think the only time we were able to really kind of connect was always in the rush, the mad rush of work, work work-related dinners, work-related meetings. 
So we never really got a chance to connect on a much deeper kind of spiritual level. And I never even knew that you were spiritual, right? I mean, it's not something that kind of comes out of normal conversation. Um, True. And honestly, back then, I've always been a little bit woo in my curiosity about how this is working, this whole thing and source energy, God, universe, what is that? I've always had curiosity around that. But back then I was like, I wasn't conscious. So I wasn't really having these deep (laughs) conversations. I feel like back then we were just so thrown into the whirlwind of work and there was a lot of pressure. And I think there just wasn't any space to even really forge deeper relationships, even if we wanted to. I just think there wasn't. And then I know that, you know, obviously things happened. We both ended up leaving the network. And I'm just really happy that we reconnected within like the last couple of years. It's just been such a joy to be able to have these conversations and to connect on such a different level than we ever, ever did. How did we reconnect? I think I reached out to you because I might have seen you post something. I don't know if it was about your podcast or something else you posted that really resonated with me. And I was like, I have to reach out to her. I have to have a conversation with her because we are vibing on something here. And then that was it. That After that first conversation, I just felt like yeah. we were just on the same wavelength. And I was like, she's totally into my jam. Like all of the things <laughs> that I'm into, you are equally into. Yeah. Yeah. And the conversation yeah. was just really effortless. So the one topic that I feel like we both are so passionate about is psychedelics and really psychedelics for therapeutic use. And that was really kind of where we connected the most when we first started talking again a couple of years ago. So take me back, you know, tell me a little bit about your backstory and how you grew up. My parents got divorced when I was really little. And it was because of a number of reasons, but my parents' lifestyles. My mom was like on this track to be this suburban, she was a suburban housewife, and she couldn't do it. And so she actually left my dad and she was like, this isn't my life. This doesn't fit me. And so we moved to a commune for a while and Then we moved to Arizona for a while and, you know, she sort of always had this free spirit lifestyle. Um, But then when I went to high school, I ended up moving in with my dad, who was this IBM executive. I learned very quickly how different those two worlds are culturally. I would say like the masking that is required, especially if you're going to like a very affluent, small Connecticut town. And so I learned all of that. And I sort of really wanted to be the good girl. I've always wanted to be the one who was pleasing people by being good at what I do. And so I went full tilt into like the woman who wants to have it all, the big career and the husband and the kids and the whole lifestyle. And then I got to this place where I should be happy. I have all the things, but I'm not happy. And so that was sort of the beginning of my undoing. But what led me to a psychedelic journey, my first one, was after having gone to Burning Man and really getting that chance to identify the ways in which I was 
making decisions based on what I thought other people wanted from me and expected of me. I realized that material wealth and the things that society tells us will make us happy wasn't it. And so that was what had me start my spiritual journey. And I had had a friend who had been with a guide and had done a spiritual progression of DMT. And, and I don't know, I just, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, yes, that's, that's my next step. And it's funny, like kind of now knowing more about the whole thing and the process that was in 2018, like DMT is kind of like jumping into the deep end. You know, it's a weird thing to like kind of rank the things that people are doing in order to connect with spirituality and psychedelics. But if you're looking at ayahuasca or if you're looking at psilocybin or DMT, like DMT is a pretty intense one. Before you continue, explain for anybody who's listening who is fairly new to even the world of psychedelics. I know that for me, DMT was probably far down the list of the psychedelics that I was familiar with. So what is exactly DMT and how is it, I guess the word is, how is it facilitated? So DMT is the, it's called the spirit molecule. And it is the molecule that already exists in your brain that allows for that feeling of connection to God. And so they figured out how to, I believe it's synthesized. It's this molecule that is the same that matches what you have in your brain. And So when you smoke it, it allows for the expansion. Is it a plant? It's not man-made. It's not created in a laboratory and like that. Is it? Is it a plant that they condense into form that can be smoked? This is a really good question. I actually think that it is man-made. Oh, interesting. um, Or that it's derived from something. For some reason, I thought DMT was was from the toad or from like a from frog from a frog. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's five meo. Five meo. It was a three part journey that it was DMT and then another round of DMT and then a round of Mm. five meo. So DMT is the sort of MDMA of it's a molecule that's been created, but the 5-MEO is sustainably harvested from toads. God, it's so fascinating. I mean, the fact that somebody actually yeah. thought, we're going to take this thing from a toad and somehow somebody had to try it, right? Yeah. <laughs> For whatever the reason, they yeah. thought they wanted to try it and then they realized that it had hallucinogenic properties. It's yeah. interesting, but it's also very bizarre if you really think about it. Plants are one thing. Well, I get, I get plants. But a toad. Yeah. You're going to appreciate this because of what I know about you. But the thing that's really wild, the the dots that I connected about 5-MEO, which kind of blew my mind is, you know, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. And I don't know if you know this about Tucson, but there are so many like sightings of UFOs. There have been sightings of UFOs in Tucson, like in the desert around Tucson forever. And I actually like my, my brother and sister and I all like witnessed a whole lights thing that was that was really wild but what was crazy is that when I was looking into 5-MEO and realized that it was from a toad and then found out the toad is from the Sonoran Mm. Desert which is the desert around Tucson I was like (laughs) "Hmm." you're like there's definitely a connection there's something (laughs) going on here energetically 
<laughs> so what made you decide that you wanted to try yeah. DMT as your first kind of jump into psychedelics versus maybe MDMA or psilocybin? So to be clear, I had done MDMA before. I hadn't done it in a therapeutic setting, but I knew that 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 one to me is more of a heart opening, like healing relationship kind of therapeutic. It would probably be good to say that before I decided to do this, I had already done a lot of work healing some pretty significant trauma. And one of the things that I did was EMDR. And if you don't know what EMDR is, it's a therapy that's very specific when it comes to reprogramming the wiring in your brain through a trauma. And so I had really like kind of cleared the deck before I had decided to to take this journey. Another thing that was really significant for me that had happened between when I went to Burning Man in 2018, where I did this first psychedelic journey, Burning Man 2015, so now we're 2018, and I had begun a meditation practice. And in one of my deeper, most significant meditations, I felt like I understood what it was like to die from a spiritual perspective. Like it was like, oh, that's home. And that's what and it, it wasn't feels an like. ego death. It wasn't an ego death. But it felt so, it was like so clear yeah. to me that I no longer fear mm. death. I just have a weird understanding of what death is and I don't, I'm not afraid of it at all. When you're in it, did it feel like you were being surrounded by darkness? Was it light? Was it a feeling of an out-of-body experience, like you were disassociating with your physical body? It wasn't like I died. It was like I was connected to the place where you go after you die. It was a feeling of unconditional love, and it was a feeling of being home. It was sort of that feeling of being held, like I'm just completely held and feeling like totally a sense of love and belonging and home and reconnection to all of the things that you know. And it was hard because it also made me realize how my whole life I've always sort of felt like I didn't belong. And I've wondered and considered that part of like understanding what that connection feels like somehow in my body yeah. or in my spirit is sort of where that lack of belonging is coming from because there's always like a piece of me that knows that that's missing, that completeness. Can we go back a little bit? You mentioned that you had some trauma that you had dealt with. I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing to the extent of what that was because I know that a lot of people, myself included, varying degrees of trauma that you experience and emotional wounds that you do carry from childhood into adulthood and how that affects you, right? The triggers that you have, the types of relationships that you have with not only romantic relationships, but with friendships, even work relationships and yeah. how that's affected. I really feel like part of the awakening process, part of the process of becoming conscious, which is I felt like happened to me is, well, it, it did happen. You have to look at yourself 
and you have to allow yourself to feel all of the ways that you have made choices and decisions and and shown up that has caused pain and suffering in your own life. Understanding the ways that you are causing your own suffering Mm -hmm. is really hard. There's regret, right? Like as soon as you recognize what it is, if you really like understand what it is that you've been doing and how you've been showing up and then how that's impacted the people in your life, it's so sad. And then there's this like overwhelm and then there's this regret. That was a tough one for me because I was like, "Uh uh-uh, you don't get to luxuriate in the regret now. You've caused this harm and now you have to make it right and show up differently and you don't get to hang out in the space of regret. And especially when it came to me being like a mom and like, all of the ways that I felt like I had let my kids down by being on autopilot and by being stressed out and not having energy for them. That was hard. It's so hard hard. to live with that feeling of regret, guilt, shame, right? I think it really paralyzes people, myself included. You become so fearful because that shame builds up and you don't even realize sometimes that it's shame. Until you really take a step back and really evaluate what you have been doing, your patterns of behavior, right? The way that you react to certain situations, Mm -hmm. the way that you're triggered. So you're having this moment of self-reflection. What was the the DMT experience like for you? First of all, like, who did you do it with? Where was this? It was here in in Denver. And it was with this woman who is a really experienced Mm -hmm. guide. And she's sort of known in the community here. I didn't have a lot of expectation around what Mm -hmm. was going to happen. I knew that some people struggled with ego death when they go on a psychedelic journey. And for me, I wasn't concerned about that. What I actually was concerned about was that I would end up back in that place that I had felt during that meditation and I would just mm-hmm. want to stay. And you talk about these things. Like you're, you're able to sort of express what are you afraid of, what are you hopeful for, that kind of thing. But I did a deep meditation beforehand. We looked at my human design. And then the first trip, I guess, that I went on, there is an element of it that where you cannot really express where you go and what Mm -hmm. it feels like. The information that I got from where I went and what happened was that it was very clear to me that this reality Mm -hmm. is malleable. It was like I understood dimensions and fractals and energy and that the physicality is an illusion that we have. Did it feel Um, like the lucid dream in a sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like everything is really vibrant and heightened in a way that you feel like it's not real, but then you know that it's real. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to say. You kind of leave the planet. (laughs) Like you (laughs) – (laughs) I would love to do that, actually. (laughs) I mean, it sort of does suspend your 
sense of time and space, it feels like you were gone for a very long time and you are not. You were really only gone for a few minutes, but it's like a lifetime of information happened. <laughs> but that's what a lot of people say. Even people who have like near death experiences, when they come back, they always say, God, it felt like it was days and weeks. And then they realize it was only 30 minutes, at least in this third dimension yeah. when they come back. Our concept of time is relative. We experience that all the time, right? Speeding up and slowing down. You can have a th 30 seconds feel like a lifetime. So to the DMT, I'll finish the, the experience. And I also want to make sure to put an asterisk or a caveat on a DMT is not a guaranteed warm and fuzzy at all. Mine ended up being really spiritual and very loving and warm and fuzzy. But much like any of the other medicines, you're on the ride that you need to be on in order to break through to the next level of your awakening process. And for some people, it is ego death. For some people, it is trauma that they maybe haven't unpacked or looked at yet. So I want to make sure to be very careful about that part of it because it's not a joke. It's incredibly helpful and very therapeutic. And I've seen amazing things happen. And it is that this journey, this DMT journey absolutely transformed my life. Thank you for <clears throat> adding that caveat because I think with psychedelics, if you've never tried it or if you are potentially doing your research and trying to find out as much information before you delve into it, I always tell people there's no guarantee of what type of journey you're going to have. It can be either a really magical and mystical experience where you do really feel like you are connecting to source, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, God, or it could be incredibly yeah. challenging and really, really difficult. There's a lot of shadow work that comes out of people's journeys so yep. for you, after yep. this journey, because it was so spiritual for you. Well, I didn't even tell you the the most spiritual oh. part. Share, share, please. I know. Yeah. So the second time, so that was the first one. <clears throat> the second one was a little bit higher DMT dose. And when I went on that trip, I got to experience what it felt like to unconditionally love Amy as source energy. And I got to look at Amy and all of the ways that she has struggled and been brave and overcome adversity and learned and grown and made mistakes and why she made those mistakes. And I got to have this experience of, of feeling what it was like to be source energy, loving, unconditionally loving me. And that has forever changed my life. The piece of it that for me I have had to work on was loving myself and not caring what people think. I was a people pleaser through and through and being able to connect back to that experience when 
I have doubt. It's like just changed everything. What were some of the things, the kind of the negative self-talk that you had before this DMT experience? Was it that you were unkind to yourself or expecting perfection? Yep. All of that. All of that. And in addition to that, I was so programmed to want to please other people that I had this whole moment where I realized I didn't even know what I liked. I didn't know. When I was like left to my own devices, like what do you want to do for fun? I had no idea because everything that I did was for the people in my life. Because I did that, right? This is not a blame thing at all. I did that. I was like, oh, you're really interested in that? I I will be too. This is honestly, it gives me such a different perspective about you and really shows that I did not know you as well as I thought I did when we worked together because I never would have assumed or guessed that you were such a people pleaser and that you didn't have a real sense of who you were and what you liked and what you wanted because what I saw or at least what you portrayed and what you put out into the world was somebody who was very sweet, very kind, very smart, super creative, and also with opinions. I don't think I ever really thought about you as somebody who would sit back at meetings and say that you just agree just to agree. I'll definitely clarify that because there is this idea that a people pleaser is somehow someone who's meek or unopinionated. That's not my version Mm. of people pleasing. My version of people pleasing is I would constantly be paying attention to how other people react, how Mm. they feel, and then I try Mm. to make it better. Right. Sometimes my creative <laughs> opinions <laughs> would poke through <laughs> above <laughs> my people pleasing. I wanted to be really good at what it is that I was doing. But when I'm thinking about my own personal life, I'm assessing what would make mm-hmm. my kids happy, what would make my my love at that time happy. How can I create scenarios where they're all having a good time? And so you're like this energy mm-hmm. manager. Right. I mean, that's like every woman, right? Even if you're yes. not a quote yeah. unquote, you don't define yourself as a people pleaser. We're always thinking of somebody else's happiness and their needs over ours. <laughs> it's such yeah. a female caretaker mentality and personality profile. Well, it is. And in addition to that, like being able to express my opinion on a creative project, easy. Being able to tell someone, what I want romantically, emotionally, that's not what I was doing at all. I'm still working on expressing myself when it comes to like my own needs, like physical needs, emotional needs. Why do you feel like you can't speak up and express your needs? Is it fear of rejection, fear of abandonment? It goes back to the people pleasing. I can tell this person wants this from me. And so- I'm going to not even think about whether it is that I want to do that or whether I need to do that. I'm just going to go with it. And because it makes them happy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it makes them happy. There's also like a part of that, the shadow side of that, right, is 
what am I doing? I'm trying to make it so that you cannot exist without me because I'm showing up exactly how you want me to. Right. And losing yourself in the process. And losing Mm -hmm. myself in the process. This is why I'm so happy that we were able to reconnect because I'm getting to know you on such a deeper level of who you really are as a person. And Mm. I'm so grateful that you are sharing this with me because it really, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability to just to open up and to talk about your struggles and talk about your flaws. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to be like, everything's great. Everything's perfect. I have it all figured out and none of us have it figured out. (laughs) As you get older, you realize actually you have nothing figured out. (laughs) Nothing figured out. Nothing figured out. I appreciate you saying that because, A, it has not been easy. I have had, as part of my more recent journeys with mushrooms, the mushrooms actually were like part of what I got from those journeys is I need to talk about this stuff. And I've been struggling with that because I do love my privacy and I don't necessarily really care to put myself out there. I I love my quiet little mm-hmm. corner of the world, but I also understand how much other women have helped me on my journey and who am I to what gatekeep the, what it is that I'm learning about how to have the life that yes. really suits me. That is the life that I truly yes. dream of. And I see it just like moving in this beautiful direction that I couldn't have seen Mm -hmm. for myself before. I didn't see it for myself and I didn't think it was possible. And and now it's here because of the steps that, that I've taken and everyone has different steps to take. I feel like there's some specific things, pieces that are applying to everyone on their journey. And I don't care anymore what people think. So that's that. I'm just going to be me. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's just free. Um, and I lived for so long caring so much about what other people think. So, And much. it's such a gift. I mean, when so. you start to open yourself up, because I'm like that too. I mean, I repressed a lot of my feelings, just the way that I grew up culturally. My parents, we never mm. had conversations about feelings. So yep. to, to actually be able to open up and talk to even my closest girlfriends about how I'm feeling and to share if I'm feeling really vulnerable about something, if I'm scared about something, feeling anxious. It's just like you. It's taken a lot for me to do that and to not put up that facade that everything's okay. Not that I ever, ever have tried to portray myself as being perfect, but that like I have my shit together. Right. And you just never want no. people to think that you are fallible in some strange way. And I don't know why, I don't know where that comes from. Probably a sense of wanting to be perfect all the time. But it's yeah. such a gift that you are sharing and talking about it because it really is the only way that we can connect. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a very superficial relationship. If you and I had yeah. never started having these conversations, it would have been fine, right? We would have checked in and said, yeah. hi, hope everything's good. And yep. right, how's, how's life? life? And then that would have been it. But to have this, I feel everything that you're saying and how hard it is, but also mm. equally how amazing it's been. The fact that you and I both came from this totally different world and we're there because there, we had similarities. We were career-driven women 
can to be at that level, like you have to work your mm-hmm. butt off and to have the realization that I'm not the only one who is going through yeah. this process coming from that world and now being here every once in a while, I'm like, woo, I have really <laughs> gone the other direction, right? It's like from one end of the spectrum to the complete opposite. I feel that way too. Yeah. <laughs> so like to know that you're along on this ride too, I'm like, okay, okay. I mean, I have the friends like you who totally get it. I, I don't even have to really even explain anything. I just say a few words mm. and you absolutely understand exactly what I'm talking about. And then, then I have other friends who are a bit further along on the journey and haven't really had the experience or haven't really been exposed or open to it yet. I think you and I both, all we can do really is just share, just share as much information as we can. I mean, that's really the main reason why I wanted to do this podcast was just to really be able to share this information so that people don't feel like that they're so alone, that there are other people like them who are seeking something want to grow, maybe just don't really know how, what the next steps could be for them, or maybe they are contemplating psychedelics. So after this DMT experience and having it be just so beautiful and spiritual for you, when did you decide that you were going to try psilocybin? And for those who Mm -hmm. don't know, psilocybin is, in layman's terms, is magic mushrooms. Well, it was probably... Let me think. It was a year and a half. It was a year and a half after I did that DMT journey. And it's funny because a lot of people asked me after I did it whether I was going to do something else or whether I was going to do it again. And I was very clear that I needed to integrate the information and the gifts that I was given I needed to integrate that. And until I did that, I did not want to dip back in the well. I was not going to be a bliss junkie just constantly trying to find connection to source and ignoring the instructions, not getting the assignment. (laughs) So so (laughs) I've been very intentional about the space and time in between each of my journeys. And I have been very, 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 very intentional about integrating the the knowledge. That well, the I got. intention, yeah, and also the integration is almost even more important than the actual journey. Absolutely. The takeaways that you get from that experience, if you don't somehow figure out a way to incorporate it and implement it into your life, or possibly make some changes, you're just going to continue to experience yeah. the same thing over and over again, right? Yeah. Um, I actually think that you are opening yourself up to a more intense ride if you don't listen, right? That you were approaching source energy or whatever this is and saying, hey, I'm opening myself up to what you have to say to me specifically. And then if you're like, oh yeah, that was cute, but I'm going to just keep doing the same thing. I think the universe has a way of showing you (laughs) you have not definitely does oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) so that's why I just follow it I'm like oh you want me to do this oh my god really okay (laughs) 
All right. <laughs> Here we go. Well, I know you've done a few psilocybin journeys. Maybe you can pick one and talk to me about that actual experience. Who was your facilitator? Did you do it by yourself with that person guiding you or was it in a group setting? And then also how you did these integrations, like from the DMT experience to now with after doing a few psilocybin mm-hmm. journeys. My progression on psilocybin was I did a group setting for the first one. Then I did a nature setting with two really, really good friends for the second one. The third one was another group setting. And then the fourth one was by myself. And these happened over, gosh, like five or six years. So there's a a healthy chunk of space in between each one. The closest ones were the last group setting and then the solo. And those both happened in the last like six months. But I was feeling really good about where I was and what what I wanted to learn. So the last psilocybin journey that you had more recently, the solo journey. So tell me a little bit about that. What was the actual experience like? Well, I decided to do it solo because I felt comfortable enough. I felt experienced enough. And I was curious to see where I would go when I didn't have other people's Mm. energy affecting or possibly being involved in that. The group setting, there can be some movement and where you go and what happens based on what other people are experiencing. So I... like had my bedroom, like just beautifully lit. One of my best friends is this incredibly talented DJ and he created this beautiful six hour music set that's specific for Mushroom Journey. I have a really good friend who's a facilitator on the regular. And so he was like, okay, you want a mixture of three parts, this one, one part, this, this type of mushroom. And I made a delicious like hot Mm. chocolate drink. And the the journey was very specific. It gave me like, I know this is going to sound weird, but I came away with like instructions basically on what I needed to do for this next little bit of my life. Staying emotionally current is hard to do, especially when you are busy. And for me, like connecting with, the the mushrooms allowed me to tap into a place where I had had some stored mm. trauma, fresh, you know, not necessarily old, but like sometimes a new thing happens that reconnects you to stuff that you had already worked through, but now you've got a new context yes. for it. And so now you get to like reprocess through it again. There's definitely a part of where I'm like, I already did this one. I already did this one. God. Like, again? <laughs> like, like it's oh. like, what? It's like Groundhog Day. You're like, again? Yeah. Turns out it's all a spiral. Yes. The trauma comes back Doesn't around. Ever. It's lighter, hopefully, if you've been paying attention. But. <laughs> so the journey itself, like, obviously, you drink the delicious hot chocolate mm-hmm. beverage. Was the journey, was it gentle? Did you see colors? Did you see images? Oh, yeah. Did any ancestors come out? You know, I've never had – I know other people who have had ancestors show up and have had these like specific almost like past life kind of memory stuff. I don't have any of that. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful colors. Sometimes it can Mm -hmm. go dark. 
I mean, for me, it was understanding ener- like positive and negative energy and how they interplay with each other and how you can choose, right? Like I got to choose. It was like I could have gone either direction on that towards investigating right. this darker path or going towards right. this lighter path. And like, of course, <laughs> of course. I chose the lighter path. Who wouldn't? <laughs> because, and what I learned is that it is a choice, right? Like it is a choice. What you yeah. focus on, what you focus on dictates where your life goes. And, and then same thing with a mushroom journey. And I also have this idea about like, I don't think there's such, I don't think you can have a bad trip. I think that you can experience a very uncomfortable time because you're resisting what it is that that is being told to you. And if you're not prepared to like face yeah. a shadow piece of you, then that could end up being really uncomfortable. But if you're just approaching it with curiosity and like, what do I need to know? I want to know everything mm-hmm. about me, all of it. Like I want to know if if I need to correct something or fix something or if I'm doing something like that is not in alignment with where I want to go, like, tell me and I will lean into that. Just I mean, they say, right, the the set and the setting are the two most important factors before you go into any sort of psychedelic journey. Set meaning your mindset and then also setting meaning your environment that you feel comfortable, you feel safe, mm-hmm. that you're with somebody or people who you feel that you can be completely vulnerable with because you really will be beyond emotionally vulnerable. You will be physically vulnerable. So you want to be in that kind of safe yeah. space. It's interesting because I know a lot of people who have asked me after I had my journey, every single person has said, I'm either scared. I feel mm-hmm. like I don't want to lose control. Uh, and yeah. so I always say to them, the biggest learning process of doing any sort of psychedelic journey is letting go. That is probably probably yeah. the hardest thing to do because you don't know what's going to happen. You can't even anticipate what potentially will happen. Even if you've done it several times, you still don't know what will happen in the next time that you go on a journey. So it really is. It's one of yeah. those things where right? It's those like, you know, spiritual quotes that you always see where it's like, let go. You have to just let go and go with the flow and surrender, Surrender. which is the hardest thing to do (laughs) when you've ingested (laughs) something that is going to take you on some sort of psychedelic (laughs) journey and you don't know what the hell is going to happen to you (laughs) and how you will come out on the other end. Well, well, it's funny that you say that because ever since that meditation, I've been like, yeah, surrender, take me. I want to dissolve into nothing. Let's go. And and so what's funny is that one of the instructions that I got on my last journey was that I'm no longer allowed to leave the planet. So I'm in the Yes, I want you to talk about the instructions. Okay. So I just want to make sure we finish the actual experience, the the last psilocybin journey that you had by yourself. Yeah. Oh my God. My space was so beautiful. It was every time I opened my eyes, I literally burst into tears because of the beauty of the space that I had created, like thinking about what looks good and, and how to feel good and how much your environment matters. I'm like, this is the perfect space. Yes. It was so pretty. It's like, it gives you a glimpse into what 
again, what God, source, higher self, whatever you want to call it, could potentially be being surrounded by that light and probably a lot of unconditional love. What were some of the instructions that you got? You did not tell me about this. One instruction was that it's not going to work anymore, that I'm not allowed to leave the planet. My work Mm. is here. And so it was kind of like I could try, but it's might as well not because it's not going to work. I was like, You're like, what a buzzkill. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You're like, I was ready. I'm ready. (laughs) I know. I'm like, but they're so fun. fun. It's fun to leave the It's so fun. I know in a weird way, it is hard not to get, and I'm not saying that you or I or anybody else would get addicted or hooked on this. But when you've experienced something that's really magical in in a psychedelic journey, it is yeah. really hard to come down and ground yourself. I found for me, it took yeah. me several months to really ground myself because I I felt so good. I felt so connected yeah. to everybody and everything. I did really feel like my heart opened. And I know that sounds completely yeah. cheesy. It, it sounds like one of those things that you would read or watch on some sort of like spiritual message board or quote. But I really felt like my heart opened in a way that it had not in a long time. Mm, yeah. There's a an interesting common thread between most people who do like mushrooms specifically for the first time. And you come out of it and you're like, oh, my God, if everyone just did mushrooms, the world would be oh such God, a better place. I know. Like, I know. Right? You understand that we're all connected. You understand that we all come from the same place. And I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's like loving loving you is yes. loving me. And your level of empathy just and, increases, right, after yeah. that type of experience yeah. because there's no way that you can come out of that unchanged. There's no way. Even if you change just a little bit, that moves you even closer to whatever you are potentially seeking or whatever changes you're trying to make in your life. Well, and what's interesting too is I've met a bunch of people. Mushrooms were never part of my world. Like mushrooms were not in my world literally until 2019. Like a little bit in Burning Man like that, but not really, not in the way that they are why did you and hesitate? Why Why do you think that the mushrooms, it just, it didn't call to you? You know, I think it was because it was mostly in a recreational context. And I would meet a lot of people who did, who did mushrooms like in college. And the way that they talked about them didn't make me really mm. want to do it. Like it, And it's interesting now because the way I talk about mushrooms is very different. And so when I run into someone like that and they're like, what is this you're talking about? Because my experience is this college recreational thing that I did. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the, it's not the same. It's actually, you're like, it's actually completely different. (laughs) I mean, it is almost hard to describe sometimes because I find that sometimes there are no words to really to properly articulate exactly what you experienced beyond trying to describe the visuals, the color patterns, 
the fractals, whatever it is, right? Your ancestors yeah. coming to yeah. visit you. Yeah. It's the only way that I could describe it ever is really it feels almost like a lucid dream, but at a heightened level that you can't even you can't even describe it. It is on a completely different level. You really do feel like it, you are in a different dimension. Like we know this third dimension, yeah. right? It's heavy. Yeah. It grounds you. You really feel like you like enter like the fifth or the sixth or even I know for some people, right, depending on how much of the dosage they take, yeah. is that they can really get up there into a dimension where it is yeah. beyond what you could even imagine or think that you've ever seen in a movie or read about. Yep. Yeah. What was your biggest takeaway? Mine yours? was, I mean, I had some trauma and some some healing that needed to get done. My biggest takeaway really was that we are all connected and that listening to your inner voice, that your higher self is always there and that it will always guide you. Yeah. So no matter if you yeah. do or you don't believe in guardian angels, spirit guides, source, your ancestors, whatever it is, that your higher self is just, it's there. And you have to trust your intuition. You know, they don't call a gut instinct for a reason, right? It, you have to listen to your gut. And I know there have definitely been times yeah. when I ignored my gut and the outcome of certain events were probably not favorable. And then I know for a fact, because <clears throat> I know you and I have talked about this, where I have trusted my gut and the synchronicities happened, everything just kind of lined up. Yep. Everything was effortless. Yep. And then you just know yep. that you're aligned and that you're on the right path, whatever it is, whatever the outcome yep. is supposed to be. Yep. yep. Yeah. So for you, this loud and clear message about what you could and couldn't do anymore <laughs> that you can't leave. Yeah. You are here. You are yeah. earthbound for now. <laughs> yeah. You're grounded yeah. <laughs> in a sense. What did you do to integrate what you had learned, your takeaways from this, maybe this latest psilocybin journey? So one of the other instruction, instructions <laughs> that I got was that I needed to stop mm. hiding. And my interpretation of that is doing video along with my podcast. Because I am a TV person, that's my interpretation of what that means. Am I totally confident that that's what I should be doing? No, but I'm going to move in that direction. I think as long as I am, it's my intuition, it's my higher self talking to me. So why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I try to do what it is that that it's that it's what's saying. your biggest fear if you did oh. add a video component to your podcast and it becomes a video podcast? Mm, just uh, people seeing me. I don't mask mm -hmm. anymore. I have fully integrated the, the all of the Amy's <laughs> into one who does not mask anymore. <laughs> it's one thing to like just be fully out there with my community. It's another thing to be out there to people yeah. who can judge you from afar and 
I know you know this because it's part of the programming. There's always a part of me that's like, well, wait, if I put this out there, will I ever get it? Like, will someone like find this and then not want to hire me or will I not get a job? (laughs) Well, if you put yourself out there, you know, there could be people who decide that they don't want to work with you. And then I'm like, actually, that's the good news. You start weeding people out. (laughs) Weeding people out. (laughs) Actually, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a very vulnerable place to be, to put out any sort of creative endeavor. I'm just going to say that to anybody who is a creator, who is creative, who wants to do something creative, it is such a sensitive and vulnerable place to be because- yeah. No matter how much we say we don't care about what other people think, there is still a little part of us that wants people to at, at least like it. Constructive criticism is one thing, but then to like come at you with like yeah. hard criticism, mean criticism, I think that's yeah. a that's a tough yeah. pill to swallow. And I'm constantly running through all of the sort of ways in which I will trigger people. <laughs> Am I ready to deal with the the people who will talk about privilege or talk about this or that without knowing really what my life story is or where I came from? Like, can I just show up as positive? Should I be feeling shame because I actually love life and I show up as a positive person no. like all the time? My, and like, it's not cool, no. right? Like the cool thing is to be all cynical yes. and but I'm not cool. I mean it's much so. easier to criticize on the sidelines when you're not doing anything. Yes. I have the utmost respect for people who just put themselves out there. Absolutely. Yeah, so my podcast is just me talking right now. It's like a reality show. It's like a weird reality show where I am just talking about what I'm learning and growing like basically mm-hmm. from week to week mm-hmm. at this point. And it's happening so quickly. But I have decided that I'm going to follow my curiosity in real life. Like, you know how you go down a rabbit hole? I'm doing that now. Oh my God. This has been such a great conversation. I mean, I'm so grateful that you even took the time to do this. I'm so happy to reconnect with you. And this is like, it feels, it feels feels so good. And to just have this conversation and I know this is like the first of many conversations that we've already had and that we will be having. So is there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel like is relevant or it's important for people to know who are listening? I think that there's a conversation that that could be had about who's the right Mm -hmm. guide for you, but that's probably for another another podcast. Very valid. In every episode of this podcast, we are going to be talking about and hopefully giving out really great, helpful tips and information to help guide you towards your potential psychedelic journey, if that's the direction that you're headed in. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Your support means a lot to me. So if you want to hear more, please subscribe, download, and share with friends and family. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so let me know what resonates for you. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care.